Hey, everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia once again with the Jungle War podcast, season two, episode number four. And I welcome back good friend from Bengals.com, the one and only Jeff Butch Hobson. Uh, how you doing, Butchie? Much better now that I'm on with you, Trags. Good to be back in town and good to be back on the man's uh, podcast. I appreciate it. Um, by the way, before we record it, I just want to get this out of the way. Final four, baby. Final four. I'm, uh, congratulations. Uh, you know, I go back a little bit to uh, one of the greatest games I ever saw was uh, a Leo Routens tip in at the buzzer in the third uh, in the third overtime. I, I know that. Yep. They tell you what, Nova has quietly uh, slipped that in. I guess it's because, you know, I guess the Big East, unfortunately, has slipped in stature because I guess we're all I mean, I'm obviously I, I, I go back to the 80s and 90s. Right. With the, with the Big East, and there was nothing. There was nothing bigger than the Big East in the '80s and '90s. I mean, the players they churned out in the national championships they churned out in Final Fours. But what Jay Wright has done there is uh, been uh, he's made us proud, uh, and he's you know, well. I mean, it's ironic. It would be incredibly appropriate if he faces off against Coach K in the national championship, which is a distinct possibility. If you know, Nova beats Kansas and Coach K takes care of Carolina, which I think they will. Duke uh, Villanova has been called uh, Duke North uh, because right. Jay right. Wright has done a lot of the things uh, at Villanova that uh, Mike Krzyzewski has done uh, down in Durham. And uh, it's pretty impressive uh, what uh, Villanova's done. And I'm a very proud 1988 alumnus. So uh, I wanted to get that out of the way. Now we are going to get to the business at hand and why I'm having you on. This is, I think, a very appropriate time to have you on, uh, Jeff, to talk about uh, the NFL spring meetings that just concluded in West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, Palm Beach, Florida, at uh, the Breakers uh, Resort. And uh, you, I thought, did a fabulous job really uh, breaking down some of the words that Katie Blackburn, Mike Brown's daughter, uh, had to say in terms of representing the organization, what was able to be accomplished and getting her thoughts moving forward on a number of different items. Uh, your piece is on Bengals.com. And I want to start with a place that I think a lot of people, you know, in terms of the news, really want a, a beat on, and that is the talks with Jesse Bates and uh, where they stand here in this particular offseason. Right. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for that. And uh, I'm always amazed that they let me into the breakers, but they do. <laughs> um, and I, I, you know, the thing with Bates is, I think we're uh, it's uh, really I, I uh, I'm not sure there's been any news uh, really that's that's new. He uh, he talked. You know, they they almost got a deal done. Almost. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how close that came before training camp. Uh, you know, I think they tried to get something done. That was obviously it was reported that uh, Katie had met with, uh, you know, his agents up in Indianapolis uh, just a week before the tag went out. So they've tried to get something done. It hasn't happened. Um, they want to get it done. And I, you know, uh, but if they have to play on the tag, you know, they'll they'll do that. They don't want to do that. They obviously want to wrap him up. But I think it's, uh, as always, uh, safeties are a, uh, you know, it's all about value, right? How do you value these guys? I mean, I, right. you know, to me, I, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because Jesse's such a, he's a leader in that room. He's a leader in that room. He's a big reason why I think they got off to the start they did because he was at the 
he was at the hub of getting their offseason workouts together last year. That's a great point. Yes, he was. And you know, when this is about numbers, right? I mean, let's be let's be honest. This is about can David Mugletta um uh, Mulugeta of uh, Athletes First, his agent, um, get the numbers for Jesse that he feels Bates at only 25 years of age. And that is so critical to understand in these yeah. talks that because of Bates's age, I think Mulugeta is going to insist that Bates's value is intrinsically higher than it would normally be for, let's say, a 29-year-old Harrison Smith or a 30-year-old uh, Tyron Matthew. You're, you're, you're buying for the future. You're not paying necessarily for past performance. You've got a guy entering his prime, and I think that is going to come at prime dollars. You go ahead. Yeah, I know. I think you're exactly right. I mean, it's uh, uh, he's certainly not the agent. Certainly isn't looking at uh, this year uh, at, at free agency. Uh, at what the safety's got in free agency this this, this no last year was really when the market I thought was set. Right. You know, and I I think too. Uh, but now we're not in a vacuum anymore. We're not we're not in a vacuum. Uh, 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 and you're right about the age of 25. It's why Jesse came out. I think. I think Jesse, such a smart guy, and he, he had good people advising him. He looked at the safe. I mean. I, he took he he came out. The reason he came out wasn't because really be, so much because of his draft position in 2018. It was the second contract because he knew he was going to be young and he knew that he was one of the best safeties in that class. So I none of this is a coincidence. Jesse set himself up very well. Uh, the thing with the Bengals, obviously, now as we know, um, the there's not only an elephant in the room, there's a herd in the room. Yes. <laughs> Burrow, Higgins, Chase. I mean, to me, that's the thing that has come out of this. And Dan Horde talked about this. He and I, uh, in his podcast, the thing that jumps out about this free agency is uh, the price of the wide receivers. You know, and the Bengals have two of the best young wide receivers in the game. Can you keep two? Can you, you know, can you keep two with Burrow? Where does the safety fit into that? Uh, granted, a, a valuable team leader that uh, the locker room uh, wants and needs. These are all things I'm not sure there 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 is not a uh, you can't check a box and say yep you know all of these things have to be de- debated and crunched. Okay, I want to break down the top three safeties um, and what they got uh, last year. 27 years of age, Jamal Adams with the Seahawks, 70 million bucks, 17 and a half million a year. Total guaranteed was 38 million. Fully guaranteed, 21 million. Harrison Smith. He's 33. He got 64 million over four years. Breaks out obviously to 16 million a year. Uh, he only got fully guaranteed 14.1 million. And in Justin Simmons, 29, he's 29 years of age out of Boston College. I covered him when he was at the Heights, by the way. Uh, he got 61 million, uh, 15.25 uh, per year, and 32.1 fully guaranteed. The reason I bring those numbers up is for the age and the fully guaranteed numbers, they vary wildly. And I think, you know, something that you alluded to in your story on Bengals.com, Troy and Katie Blackburn have done a great job over the years of understanding the cap and understanding how to manipulate it so that the Bengals are in the best position going forward for the Joe Burrow T. Higgins, Jamar Chase deals. You agree? Oh no, there's no question. I mean, 
I, if you look at the, to me, the Collins deal is the quintessential Bengals deal. They, uh, the way they broke it up, the way they, uh, uh, the way they um, uh, had the, had the uh, ascending, you know, cap numbers uh, that weren't, that didn't blow you out of the water, uh, the way they spread out the money, uh, the way they tied it to, you know, the way they tied it to playtime. Yep. I mean, I mean, that's how you don't get in trouble. You know, you don't get in trouble that way. Now it's, Obviously, it's it's that's tough negotiating because, you know, the agents want they want the guaranteed money. They want the money right on the table. And I and I, I don't think the Bengals mind paying that money. It's just if they if something happens that uh, they get caught with dead money. But that's obviously, you know, that's part of the game. It's why it's why we're here juggling stuff. Really, uh, there's no guaranteed money in football. I'm not sure. Despite the Deshaun Watson contract, I'm not sure there there's going to be. But you know, their challenge is this is clearly the toughest challenge I think that they've had cap wise of, you know, and it always is when you have a good team. I mean, it's it's, it's a great problem to have. I mean, yeah, and, and they would prefer to have this problem yeah. with a full stadium than trying to generate interest with a franchise that is stuck in mediocrity and and you do, nobody wants that uh but some nfl teams are stuck with that and they're they wait and wait and wait to get the quarterback right the Bengals have the quarterback right they know they do um now they're trying to build all the pieces around it and, and some with safeties it's it's like every safety is different really you know what i mean it's it's kind of it's kind of a uh to me it's a position that's kind of evolving um it's becoming more important more and more important i think but you know Bates isn't the same player as Adams and he's not the same player as uh, Smith, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I, but I, I would hesitate to just pitch and hold him as a center fielder. He's more than that, Jesse, you know, but, you know, does he have Adams's versatility? Probably not, but I mean, he's got a lot of other things, you know, intangibles. I well, look. I keep coming back to his age. To me, that's the biggest intangible. Or maybe but it's but, tangible, right? But is, but it's like you said about the value. What is the value? Is is the value fifty five million? Is it seventy? Where where is it? And I guess it comes down to what the player thinks is value. Well, and I'll tell you, it it comes down. To, the value comes down to what the agent can live with, and if the agent can't live with it then the Bengals have to make the, the decision and, and they are fully capable of doing this. They have one more year after this, right, uh, Jeff, that they can put the franchise tag yes. on him. They could put him, right. put it on him in the 2023 season as well. And then, yeah. you know, wish him best of luck in 2024. That, yeah. I mean, that is a possibility that the Bengals and Bates are looking at. And, yeah. you know, while, it appears, you know, Bates is a very young player and he is 25. Um, he's got to make a business decision for himself, knowing that, well, you know, they are offering me four years. Let's say, just ballpark four years, 64 million bucks. And they offer me that 16 million a year AAV um, number right in between. And, you know, they give them a, you know, a fair, reasonable number in terms of guaranteeing money, somewhere around 30 million. And, you know, if, if he gets that on the table, I can't see him turning that down. I really can't. He might've already had it on the table. I mean, we don't know what was on. We don't, we, and we don't know the, numbers, I guess we right. figure, I guess we figure, I guess, I guess the, 
I guess the conventional wisdom is that 16 wasn't on the table, I guess. No, but, and I think had it been, he probably, you know, I think Mulligata would have probably taken that. Again, it really comes down, Jeff, to um, how um, Jesse and his agent want to play this and how much say do you have any idea do you have any like feel for how much say jesse has with muligata in this no i don't you know i don't and it's hard because you know we haven't been in the room you know and it's hard to you know it's hard, that's that's kind that's of something the, to me the biggest wild card butch yeah. is that you don't know yeah. what their their attitude is in all of this you know and it's and it's you know we've talked to jesse enough i mean i think he uh he likes the town. I think he likes being close to home. Uh, I think he likes the team. You know, I think all this is real. You know what I mean? But I also think he's, I think he believes he's a top safety. So I think there's so many different, there's so many, uh, not different. There's, you know, there's two things going at it. The idea, um, do you, you know, what, what, what outweighs the money? You know, but I don't think Jesse sees it as money. I think he sees it as, you know, his standing in the league. I you also, I mean? yeah, and uh, certainly he, there is a scorecard. I mean, let's let's be honest. The players do keep scorecards. But with Jesse, I think it matters to him, and you just alluded to this, being on a young team that's up and coming in the National Football League, those opportunities, you know, that perfect storm of being yeah. a young player, on an up-and-coming team with a franchise superstar quarterback, those don't come along often. And there's, to me, that still has to play in Jesse's way of thinking of what a, a reasonable offer would be to keep him in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, at some point, these guys, you know, they say, well, look, if I'm going to, you know, I might, if, if these guys are trying to keep Burrow and Chase and Higgins, maybe I got to take a little less. You know, maybe I got to make him help fit it. I don't know. I don't know how that, uh, you know, how, how, how do those, uh, how does exactly that work? You know, what, what, I don't know what I do. I, you know what I mean? I put myself in that situation and, uh, I want, I would sure. want to, I'll tell you what I would do. I would want to be in the place where I, I earn, you know, enough money for my grandkids grandkids okay and 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 that is going to life-changing money as they call it um but i would want to be in a place where i can compete for championships yeah all things being equal let's move on i want to talk about katie um overseeing and and you know she uh, addressed this a little bit i believe on wednesday um overseeing the day-to-day -day business pretty much for the last decade as you write a decade and a half, but she consults daily with her father. She had to smile when she was asked about his statement of a few years back that he was going to step back because he still has the final say and sits in on all the football meetings. And his and her quote on Wednesday was, he said that for 25 years, he is involved. He's down at the stadium every day, every day. We keep him involved in everything. He gets his input on everything, but the rest of us are out there doing more and more reporting uh, back to him rather than him doing and reporting to us. So I guess the point here is Mike did not make the trip to the breakers. Uh, Katie took more of obviously a, a public facing stance uh, addressing the reporters on the news of the organization. And uh, my question for you is, uh, are we going to see more and more of this from Katie? 
You know, I, I, I don't. Um, yeah, I think so. Just because I think, uh, you know, she's. I, I think Mike is, you know, uh, not that he's slowing down, but I think he wants Katie to get, you know, more more comfortable. I think with getting, you know, with getting out there. But I mean, I don't like. I said, I don't think much has changed. I think, um, you know, I think uh, Mike not being there is really not a, not that big of a deal. I mean, and he's know, fine. As yeah, he's, and he's fine. And, and, and I'm sure they talked a couple times a day. You know, I'm sure they talked a couple times a day, probably down there, you know, so they talk a lot. So I'm not sure anything is really I'm not sure anything is really any different than it was in 2000, say, in 2011 or 2012. I mean, really, I just think, you know, um, I think it's always kind of jarring when you don't see Mike, get, you know, at that at sure. that at that point pocket but i don't think it's really uh it's 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 kind of a uh it's i think it's business i think it's business as usual and uh i think i think we we just don't hear and that's kind of the point i tried about i wrote a story on like on, on sunday and i i was going to get to that is, as a matter of fact i'm glad yeah. you brought it up go ahead yeah but you know she's so low profile low profile she doesn't like attention she doesn't like to be in the limelight so i think whenever she's in there you know, people scramble to make it, I think, bigger, bigger than it is. You know what I mean? But I think it's to me, it's just it's business as usual. I, I you know, I think, uh, um, you know, I think they have a lot of I think they have a lot of voices. You know, I think uh, uh, I think Elizabeth uh, Blackburn, her yep. uh, daughter has been, you know, very effective, uh, you know, speaking and uh, Katie and I, and I think Troy at times also speaks. So, um, you know, there's this is the way they like to do it. They don't really you know, it's not a it's not a it's not a focus really on one person. You know, Duke Tobin talks a lot about, you know, about when when, you know, when he talks about the draft and free agency and personnel. And that's the way they like to do it. They like to they like to make it a team effort. I, I think that Collins uh, uh, deal is a uh, prime example of how they do business. Uh, you know, Steve, Steve Radicevic, the director of pro scouting, yep. is the point man in free agency. Uh, I think Duke, Duke Tobin, did the uh, the director of player personnel, did a lot of the heavy lifting in the, in the negotiations with Peter Schaefer, Collins' agent. They go way back. They have a good relationship. And I think behind the scenes, you know, Katie and Troy are uh, crunching the numbers, you know, throwing out, you know, uh, uh, consulting, uh, you know, getting not only consulting, but I think during that weekend, they all, they weren't only you know, going over the Collins deal, there are other deals, you know, ahead that they were thinking about and trying to move and push numbers. So I think it's a, they've always, and, th and this is the way Mike has always uh, wanted it too, is, is, is he's always a, uh, he likes a uh, kind of a, melt, you know, he kind of likes a uh, open and uh, kind of, an, uh, you know, he doesn't, he's not a big, he's not a guy big in the organizational structure. He likes to have different people so he, he likes different people doing uh, having a lot of responsibility and he doesn't like to constrain him and he likes to get their, you know, he likes to get their feedback that, you know, he, he, he doesn't want to, uh, you know, uh, put a, you know, put straight jackets on him. So I thought that was, uh, you know, and then I think I'm sure they ran the, I'm sure they ran the final, probably ran the final. Uh, I don't even know if they got the final go ahead from Mike. I'm sure he, you know, I think at that, I think at this point it was uh, Katie knew the numbers Katie and Duke knew the numbers, got it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Mike, Mike was fine with the concept of let's go get a right tackle and don't blow up the cap. 
I'm sure that was his, you know, that was his uh, charge. Speaking with Jeff Hobson, doing a great job covering uh, the Cincinnati Bengals for Bengals.com. I want to move on to uh, another story that came out of the uh, NFL spring meetings down in Palm Beach, and that is the construction of a practice facility, indoor practice facility for the Cincinnati Bengals. And what I found interesting from Katie was, uh, in her comments on Wednesday, was this was is not about recruiting necessarily players in free agency and whatnot and and make it a draw because you know people aren't going to come to a an organization because they have a bubble they're going to come because they're getting paid and they're playing for a competitive team but the reason the Bengals want that bubble is they anticipate playing more and more hopefully in January and into February and they want a facility and they don't want to have to go up to UC to do so. I just think it's very, you know, I think it's a pragmatic approach to it. Um, you know, actually I thought the weather was, uh, uh, reasonable. Really, yeah. yeah. I mean, it didn't get bad until they, uh, had to get ready to go to Los Angeles. You know what I mean? And, uh, so that, but, it's uh, you know they went up to UC and they got and they got work in there, and uh, but the, really before that I think they were uh, probably in uh, you know when they were getting ready to go to Kansas City and getting ready to go to Nashville it, it was fairly uh, it was fairly reasonable. You were out there. And I was, was uh, it, but they but all things being equal, they got a little bit lucky with the weather. No, there's no not. question about no, there's no question about it. And I think that's part of the thinking is look if. Uh, you know, if we're going to be playing games on January, you know, and I and I think this has always been the the mantra. They uh, they want to get it done. I think there's you know there's uh, uh, I think there's mechanical. I think there's mechanical issues. I think there's you know I mean you know probably better to talk to engineers than me about that. I think there's you know there's I just I, I think they want to I think they want to do it. I think that's the big thing. I just to me it's how. And, and, and where? And where? Uh, yeah. To me, the bigger question yeah. is where? Where are they yeah, going correct. to? But I think that's too, and I and I think it's been driven home. Uh, they wanted to get it done before, you know, before all this happened. But then when it happened, I think obviously it was a, uh, you know, it was it's it's a reminder that uh, if it, if how how deep you go into a winter now. I I if I had to guess, you want my guess. It would be on the west end of the practice facility near the bridge. Yeah, I think uh, I'm not sure. How, like I said, I'm not sure about the engineering because I think some of the, I think there might have been there, there might have been already a facility if the engineering was okay. I guess I'm not or sure. approved. Right? If they yeah, could yeah. could have signed off. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That, so I don't know the, where it's going. That 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 is a, that is a great question about where is it where is it going to go. We're actively looking at this is according to Katie on Wednesday. We're actively looking at some things. It's something we realize would be good for us to have. So we're trying to find out ways we are considering ways to make that happen. I think that, like you just said, Butch, I think they realize the time has come and, you know, it is uh, time to, you know, erect something somewhere that will give them that option should the weather turn inclement. Speaking of new facilities, let's get this caught my attention. Uh, when you uh, spoke about the Bengals have taken note of the Bills planning to build their $1.6 billion new stadium after Monday's deal with New York State, they aren't looking for a new one, you write. 
And while the PBS lease is coming up for an extension, Katie loves the building and where it is now. Um, it served us really well, she said. So how should Bengal fans read that? Should they, should they sense, yeah, maybe it's in the back of our mind that we need to look 10 years down the road at possibly a new stadium or renovate the current one? I think what she said, I think the next thing she said after that was, uh, you know, just keeping up with other stadia around the league. I think that's, uh, yes, she think, did. You know, say I that. think that's correct. Uh, and, and like she said, how, how do you get that done? But I mean, I think, uh, I think the stadium is uh, one of the, uh, I think one of the feathers in the cap of the franchise. I mean, that's a, uh, somebody uh, got a question from my Hobson's choice column about putting a retractable roof on it. And first of all, that would be, you know, that would be, I think cost prohibitive. But why would you want to put a roof on that thing? I mean, I think that's one of the great things about the stadium is, well, I know why you want to put a roof on it. I get it. But I mean, it, but that's one of the great things about the stadium is I, I think is how you have the river on one side and the downtown. Absolutely the agree. You know, you know, and I think that's, you know, so I just, I just think it's in a beautiful spot. I also think, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's an, I really, I think it's an anchor for the, for the, for the riverfront. I mean, I think it's, uh, you got to look at what's come after it. To me, in my mind, I mean, I think, you know, you get the and I I told the guy this, I told another guy this who, uh, you know, I mean, I did cover the first lease in 97 when I was at the Inquirer. Sure. And I got to tell you, I don't think anybody saw a Banks or an Over the Rhine, uh, you know, on the way in 1997. You know what I mean? So uh, I I, I think it's a uh, the venue's terrific and it's uh you know, and I really think that the, the game day experience that Elizabeth and her crew, Seth Tanner, uh, added, I mean, has been staggering, really, if you see of how they've changed that operation. So I just think there's a lot of momentum, you know, to keep this thing riding. And if they can, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know what's going to, you know, I'm sure, I, as I also told the guy in the answer, it, to me, it seems a lot less contentious than it was in 97. I would uh, agree with that. And you could really tell, uh, Butch, that there was one of the th- biggest take- takeaways that I had from this past Bengal season was that there was a communal um, joining that the Bengals were part of, that, that, that the community came around and rallied around the team. And, and I know that's happened before in other successful seasons. This felt a lot different. This felt like this is what we have been waiting decades for. And we're ready. The city was ripe to have this happen and embrace the franchise because, and I wrote this several times throughout the season, because I think this Bengal front office, uh, Katie, yeah. obviously, but also Caroline. And as you mentioned, Elizabeth, they reached out to the public. And that, that to me, this season mattered, the, starting with the Ring of Honor, obviously. And, there, and you mentioned we're going to get a little bit more um, Ring of Honor uh, activities uh, this coming season in 2022. But I think the, the franchise just did a much better job reaching out to the community and the community in kind when the team was successful and made it to the Super Bowl really expressed its passion and its support. That, to me, is what stood out. Well, you know this because you're one of them. I mean, yep. if there's a more, if there's a more devout or resilient fan base in the league, I don't know where it is. I would. I've said that, and I covered the Patriots, as people know, and people watching yeah. this, and people who follow me on Twitter, they know very well. I covered the Patriots for 27 years, and 
that that fan base also suffered for a long time and early in their 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 dynasty run patriots 1.0 um they really rallied around the patriots and it was a a a seismic shift from the red Sox to the patriots and and you grew, obviously you grew up in uh new england butch and you understand this and appreciate this no one would have ever thought that Boston would have become a football town. It was always a baseball town. Cincinnati for years and years and decades and decades and decades have always been a baseball town. And the Bengals need to win. They need to hoist Vince. But once that happens, you'll see the same type of seismic shift, um, you know, here in Cincinnati. And that's what's very, very exciting and, and worth looking forward to. Two things, I think. A couple things there, Craig. Couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I think you have to, you can't underestimate the power of social media. That's what's different from the 81 and 88, why I think it was probably more powerful this trip around. You got to look who's in the front office, okay? Katie Blackburn grew up. Uh, she made Super Bowl signs, okay, for that first Super Bowl team. Every week, she made signs, her and her friend uh, made signs, uh, um, you know, uh, Turk lurks, uh, right on Jerron. I mean, uh, you know, um, so, uh, you know, we know she cares, you know, Elizabeth Blackburn wept when she found out Jeff Blake wasn't a Bengal. All right. She's got 10 Chad Johnson jerseys, you know? So the front office to me, uh, they get it, you know, because they've lived it. And I, and I also think, you know, and I, you know, people will probably laugh about this because they have a, they probably have no idea who the 1967 Red Sox are, but they were the team that changed the perception of New England about the Red Sox because before yes. they had never, uh, they had never won it. You know, they had never won a, 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 they were just a pennant since 46, a country club losers, you know, and that's yes. what it was. And, but even though they didn't win a world championship for another, you know, uh, 30 seven years or what was it after 67 that 67 team came out of nowhere finished half half a game out of last place in 66 young exciting uh went right down to the end the last you know they uh, uh, uh it, there could have been a three-way tie for first on the last on the last weekend there could have been a two-way tie for first on the last day and they won it by themselves and um the cardiac kids they were called. So, but that transformed the Red Sox in the mind of New England and the generation coming up. And I, you know, I mean, I guess I, I know this because I was eight and I was an example of that. But I think the 2021 Bengals are a lot like that, like that you came out of nowhere. They finished in last place. Every game came down, they were the cardiac cats, you know. And so, and look, and look how people look at the Bengals now compared to last year, you know, 1967 to 66 for the Red Sox, 2021 to 2020 for the Bengals. I mean, it was the, it was the polar opposite. So I, I, I think this team, I think this 2021 team is, I don't know what happens the rest of the way. God knows who knows what happens the rest of the decade. Who knows what happens next year? Uh, I guess the only thing we know is they're probably going to open Sunday night, maybe, right? That's the only thing we probably know. But after that, we don't know. But I do know this. I think this team, this 2021 team, changed the chemistry 
of the way this town looks at this team. And what else is very, very important? We'll wrap up on this, uh, Butch. They have followed up a Super Bowl run with um, a, an obvious expression that we want to get, you know, they want to get back there to the Super Bowl and finish the job with the job they did in free agency, addressing the glaring need on the offensive line, bringing in a new tight end right away. Um, yep. They are in a position now that they can use the draft to perhaps draft a cornerback in the first round, uh, an impact cornerback in the first round at 31, yep. and then move forward and build depth on the roster uh, and perhaps depth in places where maybe they can't sign all three wide receivers. Maybe they have to do something like that. Right. And, and they are in a position. Maybe they have to take a re- tracks. Maybe they got to take a receiver at 31. Who knows? I mean, you, you know, you can't do it. Probably. You got to go defense. I mean, but I just think that's an interesting. You just it, set up an interesting scenario. You're looking at salaries. You're looking at depth. You're looking at, uh, you know, just what, where do you. I think you got to go defense. But I mean. And, you know, obviously, Jeff the Bengals could go in a number of different ways with the draft at 31. They could go with a cornerback. I think they should go with a cornerback. If Kair Alam is available, Evan McPherson's former teammate at university of Florida, I might add Um, anytime to get in a shooter McPherson um, reference. I think we should, but anyway, uh, if they can go corner, I think they go corner. Uh, But if the best player is available and it's a wide receiver, I wouldn't be shocked uh, to see them go with a wideout. It's interesting. Uh, it's interesting. They the both of you just hit the two, the two positions where they really need depth, corner right. and wide receiver. I think all three uh, on both spots they just got the three starters, and really not much behind it. So uh, you know, I think uh, I know I I, I kind of like the guy from Baylor, uh, Trags, the corner from Baylor. I don't know, I and mean, that might be. Uh, what is it? Is it is it Petrie, perhaps? Or I'm not um, sure I get the right name. Uh, there, we, but. we can look up, uh, given the power of the internet, Butch. Yeah, we can always look up the cornerback, yeah. and uh, I should know this right off the top of my head, but I don't. But I but I agree with you. I'm a big corner guy. I, it's been six years since they took a corner in the first round, and you know this as well as anybody. When they started drafting corners in the first round, and they didn't do it until 2006. And when they did it with Jonathan Joseph, they followed up with Leon Hall. You know, they started going to playoffs. And I don't think that's a coincidence. So I'm, I'm, I'm big on corners. I wish they would have taken one every two years. It was got for a while that it was every three years. But remember, it was it was J. Joe. It was Hall. It was uh, Kirkpatrick. It was Denard. It was Jackson. You know, and, and, and before 06, they had never done it. I think they, they, the one corner they had drafted in the first round in the entire history of the franchise had been Ricky Dixon, and they played him in safety. So, um, yeah, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big corner guy. Trags also, you know, Zach Taylor's had three drafts, never taken a defensive player before the third round. So, they probably do. Uh, I think they are uh, due in that regard, and um, still look. You did not mean uh, Derek Stingley, did you? No, no, sir. He's long gone. He's right? definitely long yeah. gone. Uh, um, love that guy. Uh, uh, love I, I, but there is the possibility. There is the possibility that the Bengals uh, trade down, right? Oh, I think, yeah. I, I would, you know, 
I, I, I don't think that's a lead. I mean, I, I, I think they, A, they take, I think probably the first option is they'll take the best player. And then I think the option right after that, I mean, first of all, everything's on the table. But I think, you know, if they get the 31, and you know this, if they get the 31 and they think they can get the same kind of guy at the 41, you know, but you know this, but you know this too, there's going to be a guy at 31 that they're going to have rated. He's going to be like 17 or 18. It's going to be like T when they picked T Higgins at 33. <laughs> I don't know where he was in that board. He was like 17 or 18. There's going to be a guy. And I, I think that he'll, he'll be, have he'll, his grade will be too high probably to pass. So I don't know if they do trade. By the way, it is Jalen Petrie out of um, Baylor. Yeah. He's yeah. listed as a safety. He is because he played, he played the slot in college. And he, uh, but maybe yeah, I haven't seen him on many corner lists, but uh, they say he's a great locker room guy, and that uh, you know he's got that versatility though. They got to listen to safety. We know we know how much Luan Aruma loves versatility. We do. Anything else on your mind as you get that final yeah, I, cup I, I of Joe? The, yeah, you know, I just think with uh, yeah, sorry about that, I, but I That's think with right. Nova, I, I I got something to say about Nova. There's always a Bengals connection with everything tracks. Yeah, and. Um, uh, one of one of Jay Wright's great friends is former Bengals defensive coordinator Paul Gunther. So I did not yeah, know this. Yeah, they grew. I grew up a lot. They've known each other a long time in the Philly area. And uh, if you look close, I bet Paulie G is going to be there somewhere in the Final Four. So um, yeah, there's always a little bit of a Trags is a Bengals connection with everything. Uh, there is. So you know, six degrees uh, of Bengals. Keep an eye on Pauly G at this year's Final Four. And good luck to the Cats, man. It's, uh, it's going to uh, be a tough – I mean, with uh, unfortunately, with Justin Moore going down with the uh, torn Achilles against Houston, last 50 seconds against Houston, that's going to be tough. I mean, he's their – probably their second-best player behind Colin uh, Gillespie, yeah. and it's going to be tough. But uh, if anybody can pull it off, it's the underdog Cats. That's the way I look at yeah. it. Uh, it's hard to be an underdog in that field, right? They're all they're all blue bloods. They're, they're all blue say. bloods, but right. It's hard for uh, you know, I uh, I grew up weaned on uh, on Western Kentucky and uh, uh, Jackson uh, Jackson Jacksonville and those uh, with Addis Gilmore and those uh, Syracuse. Probably one of the reasons I went to Syracuse is because uh, Jimmy Lee hit the hit the hit the shot in '75 in the Eastern Regional and sent Syracuse to the '75. Uh, they were they, they were one of those lost Cinderella. to Louisville, correct? Uh, they lost. They got beat by Kentucky. Kentucky mashed oh, Kentucky. them around pretty good. The Mike Phillips, Rick Roby Cats uh, mashed them around pretty well. And uh, but uh, yeah, it's going to be um, it's a tough uh, it's a tough Final Four for underdogs. That's for sure. There are no there are certainly no Cinderellas. That is correct. There are absolutely yeah. no Cinderellas in this Final Four, but. Uh, Villanova is a four-point dog, so uh, I like Villanova to get by Kansas. I do. I'm rooting for Nova because of you. I appreciate that. Here, V for Villanova, V for victory. With that, he is Butch Hobson. Please do follow him on Twitter. He is a great follow, and follow him on Bengals.com. He's got great stuff up there about Katie Blackburn and her impact uh, in, uh, as a female executive in the National Football League and why uh, she has, along with her husband Troy, done a great job of uh, really restructuring uh, the Bengals' front office and the image. Uh, he's also 
got some stuff from Katie uh, and her comments on Wednesday as they wrapped up the NFL spring meetings 2022 from the breakers in Palm Beach. He is Jeff Butch Hobson. I'm Mike Petralia. Thanks for watching.